the death of Jesus Christ, his deniers must have felt some sort of vindication. The rumors, stories, and witnesses of his miracles surely lost their validity as a stone sealed his lifeless body inside a tomb. Jesus Christ, the revolutionary, was dead, and his cause along with it. But the cause of Christ is not found in the grave or the tomb, nor his works fulfilled in his death. The revolutionary change that Christ would bring to the world had only just begun and still finds its way to willing hearts all over the world today. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. What I imagine resurrection will be is definitely a big reunion. That's what I picture. That's what I'm hoping is being with family and good friends and being at peace. When I think about the reunions I'll have in heaven, it's um, just really exciting. Um, just to think of, you know, just through my genealogy, being able to see the um, grandparents and great-grandparents and uh, the, the people that I've, I've read so much about and learned just so much from that have never met, but have learned through their, through their stories. When a family member passes, that's, the, that's what I envision, is that they're greeted by, by all of their, their relatives that have gone before them. My daughter that passed away 15 years ago, I can't wait to wrap my arms around her. I know when it's my time that she will be there to greet me. And that is when, that is the number one thing that I do look forward to, is the, the resurrection and to, and to see our Savior and our Heavenly Father. Welcome everybody, my name is Ben Lomu and I'm your host. Our Gospel Scholar for today is Patrick Mason. Patrick is an author and a professor of religious studies and history at Utah State University. Patrick, welcome. Thanks, Ben. Always good to be here. And next to Patrick is our special guest, Jenny Oaks Baker. Jenny is a recording artist, a performer, and is known as America's Violinist. She creates emotionally stirring music and often performs with her four children. Jenny, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Today, we've selected two topics to discuss that relate to passages found in Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, and John chapters 20 through 21. The two topics we're going to discuss today are first, Jesus Christ was resurrected, and second, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So Patrick, as we jump into this first topic, Jesus Christ was resurrected, what sort of background can you provide for us as far as the setting? And then specifically, uh, what can you tell us about death in general that we're gonna be talking about today? Yeah, well, I, I love these chapters. I love this topic because we're literally talking about the most important day in all of human history. This is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. We celebrate it every year as Easter, mm -hmm. right? But it is it is the day uh, that, 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 that changed everything. And, and of course, that is the universal thing that every human being faces, right? We, we all face death. It's, it's inescapable. And, uh, and, and so, so for Jesus to, to rise from the grave on the third day, to have these witnesses come and see him, for him to appear to his disciples uh, uh, and open up uh, the way for each one of us to be resurrected as well, uh, it's, it's the most important thing that ever happened in human history. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Jenny, what are some of your thoughts? Why is it so important for us to focus and understand the resurrection of Christ? I think it just gives us so much hope. I mean, I cannot even imagine living in a world where you didn't, where you believed that death was actually the end mm -hmm. and that when your loved ones die, you won't see them again. When I was um, 22, my mom died of cancer. And I mean, I was so grateful for the spirit that accompanied that experience and the comfort and felt I felt as I went through it. But I've been so grateful since her death to know that she's still alive, and I'm grateful. Well, thank you, Jenny. Now, Patrick, as we talk about the resurrection, what are some of the, the connections we can make with the physical resurrection of Christ and the spiritual resurrection that we can all experience? Yeah, so... So, you know, maybe the best way to think about death is simply as separation. 
Uh, so our physical death is the separation of our body from our spirit that gives it life, and resurrection is what brings it back together. And, and spiritual death is the separation of our spirit from God. Uh, it's when we alienate ourselves from God through sin. And so, so Jesus Christ's atonement provides a path for us to reunite with God, to reconcile with God, to once, our, once again bring our spirits in harmony and, and in line with God through that reconciliation, through repentance that, that Jesus Christ uh, offers. So the atonement covers both spiritual death and physical death that every human being is going to experience because God wants us all to come back to him. So when we talk about the great plan of salvation and great plan of happiness, knowing that death is inevitable, why is it important for us to understand that it is part of God's plan and that there is a way to overcome it? Yeah, well, I think it, it, what death does is it, is it makes this life really important, Okay. right? Is it, it makes this life the place where we exercise faith because we can't see uh, into the next life most of the time. Sometimes we get little glimpses or something like that, but, but we operate in this life according to faith. Thank you, Patrick. As scary as death can be sometimes, how comforting is it to know that through God's plan, we can overcome both physical and spiritual death? Renee. My husband died uh, about 11 years ago. And when he was in the end stages of life, the hospice nurse was there and, and I was there with both of them. And she asked my husband if he was afraid to die. And he said, yes. She was so inspired. She said, are you afraid of the process or after you die? And he said, the process. I just don't want to lose my dignity, but mm. I'm not afraid to go after. I was so relieved. Mm. And since I've come to really know know that it is true. You know, I think for any time we, we experience death, it does strengthen our own testimony. You know, Jenny, I, I, as you talk about your mom passing, what are some of the things that you have, you have learned or what's, what is the hope that you have in the resurrection based off some of the things that you've experienced? Well, I found out that my mom had cancer when I, um, a year before she died. And I just thought I had to have faith for her to be healed. And so I prayed so hard for her to be healed. And as I prayed, I started to wonder, wait, but how does faith work in relation to the Lord's will? I emailed my father, who's President Dallin H. Oaks, and I said, Dad, how do we pray to have faith that someone will be healed when we know that everything is dependent upon the Lord's will? And he answered me with an email that I've kept my whole life. And he said, Jenny, I believe that true faith is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that really helped me. Like we're supposed to pray for our desires and, and pray for things that we feel are righteous, but we're supposed to have faith in the Lord, not in something specific happening. And so I prayed in faith for her recovery, but it was the Lord's will that she returned to him. Well, thank you, Jenny. Patrick, we see this happen often in the scriptures. Yeah. Um, what can we learn about the resurrection in general and how we can, as Jenny so beautifully spoke, we can keep our focus centered on faith in Jesus Christ, no matter what else happens? Yeah, such a good question. And I, I love the way that it talks about it in John chapter 20, uh, which is one of the chapters we're reading today about the resurrection, starting in verse 8. Then went also that other disciple, John, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. So they, they, they saw this. They believed, like, Jesus is gone. The body is gone. But, but then verse 9, For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. They didn't understand it yet, right? So they had not yet seen the risen Lord. They saw the empty tomb. But the, and, and he had prophesied that he would be risen again. They, they had scriptures, but they didn't understand it. I, th I think sometimes, you know, things are taught to us, uh, but until we go through that experience, mm -hmm. until we really have to wrestle with it, um, you know, we may have an intellectual testimony of something, but it hasn't really sunk deep into our hearts. And so these disciples, even though they knew and Christ had told them he's going to be risen on the third day, they didn't understand it yeah. yet. You know, and we all kind of have that same charge of we, have, we hold a responsibility to carry that message 
to the rest of the world. Jenny, what are some of your thoughts on the importance of being witnesses of Jesus Christ? Oh, it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege to be a witness of Jesus Christ. And Christ gives each of us that opportunity. And we don't have to have seen him to know that he lives. I feel him deep in my soul. And I know that he lives. And I know we're each children of God and that he loves us. Thank you. Uh, Jenny, you just released an album not too long ago. It's beautiful. I love Thank it. You. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the, the inspiration behind your desire to, to create such an album and how you view that as being a witness of him? Um, actually, Kurt Bester, who is the arranger, it was his idea. Um, we had another project in mind and it was, it was a really good idea and I could see where I could take it in the world and it was going to be a successful album, but I was actually watching conference, a general conference of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, a couple years ago, and I just knew that that other album was not what I was supposed to do. So I had to call Kurt and go, I know we've spent hours on this <laughs> other project. I am so sorry, but I just know it's not right. And he said, well, what if we do an album about the Savior? He started talking about it, and the light grew and grew and grew. I mean, it's one of the great miracles of my life that I've witnessed, and I just knew it was right. And I feel like my greatest joy as a musician is being a vessel through which God's love can be transferred mm -hmm. to others. That's, that's amazing to hear that and the process that sort of went behind that. And I think this is the charge that, that, that Jesus gave his disciples 2,000 years ago, but, but it hasn't changed since then. And, and we get into Matthew 28 when he appears to all of them and they are witnesses of the bodily resurrection. And, and what he tells them in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 28 of Matthew, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So we have that charge too, right? To, to go out into all the world and what, whatever that means, whether a musician or whatever you know, gifts God has given you, to, to consecrate those things, to go out and witness of Christ to, to all the world and, and to witness that he is still with us. That's beautiful. Thanks, Patrick. I, I would love to hear from the audience on, as we talk about being witnesses of Christ, uh, what are some of the ways that you stand as a witness of Jesus Christ? Lori. It's gonna take time and it will take practice, I think. It's not just something that comes, I, for me, it, it's not just something that I can do um, all the time, every day without faith. Um, if I don't have the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's something that I might not follow. But because I've had the faith, it has been easier for me to stand as a witness at all times and in all things and in all places. And I've tried to teach my girls who are young women. And it's been, I think, faith in Jesus Christ. Not only has it been not a hard thing for me, I think it's been easy because I do those simple things like reading my scriptures, but I'm also listening. And I'm really trying to follow the Spirit. And, and Lori, how do you help, as you teach your children about faith in Jesus Christ, how do you help them understand being a witness of Jesus Christ while he was in his mortal ministry and being a witness of Jesus Christ as a resurrected being? Um, by example, and my husband and I, who's over there, he's um, a great example of that. Um, there's only so much we can say as parents. You know, we teach them that God is there and that He loves you. We teach them how to pray. But I think mostly by example, having family prayer, going to church, um, preparing for a mission or preparing to enter the temple. And that's something I've been so proud is to be able to go to the temple with my girls. Thanks, Lori. Thank you. As we've talked about Christ's resurrection being a witness, what final thoughts do you have as we wrap up this uh, first topic? For me, the resurrection affirms that God is a God of life. He values life. And, and of course, we all have to pass through that veil of death. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but, but that God brings back life to every single one of us. And he can bring life in, 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 into our souls and to our hearts right now. Jenny? I love the scripture in Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, verses 13 through 14. Um, to some, it is given by the Holy Ghost to know that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was crucified for the sins of the world. 
to others it is given to believe on their words that they also might have eternal life if they continue faithful. So the greatest gift that God can give us is eternal life. And even those who just believe on our words can have that gift. So we have such a great responsibility to testify so that everyone can be saved. Those that believe and know for themselves and those that will believe on our words. It's an incredible promise. Or, you know, on through music <laughs> or through actions, you know, there's a lot of ways in which we can stand. Yeah, our as, words can be, can take a lot of different forms. Absolutely. Yeah. Sherry Dew has a beautiful quote talking about just that hope that comes through uh, a knowledge of the resurrection. She says, we have such cause to rejoice for the gospel of Jesus Christ is the voice of gladness. It is because the Savior overcame the world that we may overcome. It is because he rose on the third day that we may arise as women of God. May we lay aside the things of this world and seek for the things of a better. May we commit this very hour to come out of the world and to never look back. Thank you both so much for sharing your thoughts and experiences on our first topic. For the audience, thanks as well for sharing uh, with us today. And for you at home, what does it mean to you that Christ was resurrected and actually lives today? Share with us on Facebook and Instagram. I think we're asked to believe things we can't see because the whole purpose in our mortal experience is to is the forgetting so that our agency takes over. Because if we know, of course we would always choose right, but we need to believe, we need to have faith, and we need to choose by faith. Believing in things that we can't see just builds our faith. I think your faith is stronger because you have to pray, ponder, study. It just takes a lot more work and it's ongoing, something that you continue to work on to keep that faith, to build that faith. To me, faith is basically like believing in the wind because we know that the wind's there. We can feel it, we, but we can't see it. It's the same principle in my head that uh, if we can feel uh, the spirit and the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ, then why wouldn't we believe in it? The second topic we're going to discuss today is blessed are they that have not seen yet have believed. I, I love this story that we're going to talk about now with, with Thomas. Mm -hmm. uh, can you just give us a little bit of a um, you know, uh, summary of the story and then we can dive into talking specifically about this topic? Yeah, exactly. So Thomas is one of the 12 apostles who had been uh, spent the last three years in Jesus's ministry, uh, wandering around with him and listening to him and, and learning from him. And uh, and he was not with them. This is in John chapter 20. Okay. So Jesus comes and appears to the 10 apostles. Judas is out of the picture. Uh, and and Thomas is somewhere. Doesn't He's like out getting groceries or something like that. Okay, <laughs> but he's not in the room uh, when Jesus appears to them. And then he comes back and they say, we saw the Lord, right? So, the, so that kind of sets up the, the, the story for us here. And it picks up in, in verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, he, he was a twin. That just means he was a twin. Uh, he was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Uh, after eight days again, the disciples were within and Thomas was with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God, just imagine that moment for him. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So it was a good thing. It was great, Thomas, you got your witness, right? But think about all the other people who aren't gonna have that same experience of literally putting their fingers into the, in, 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 into, you know, the prints of the nails in his hands and in his feet, but have that same testimony that, that Thomas got. What was his next step? Because when we, when we gain that witness, when we gain that testimony, whether you know, we see or we believe without seeing, what's the next step? How was it for Thomas? And then what should it be for us? Yeah, well, I mean, Thomas stayed with it, right? And, uh, and, and, and the other witnesses here stayed with it. Paul stayed with mm -hmm. it. You know, he turned his life around. 
Uh, and and I think that's the, the the question for each one of us. Once you receive that witness, whether it comes in the form of, of the tactile mm-hmm. witness that they had or the spiritual witness that most of us have, like, will you be true to that yeah. witness? Uh, so the question for us always is to turn it back on us. And will I be a disciple of Jesus? And endure to the end. And yeah. The end. It's all about enduring to the end. You can't just have an experience and then check it off and move on and not continue to endure and build faith and stay strong. Because there were lots of people who encountered Jesus. They heard Jesus teach that, you know, think about Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. They think, think about the many others who turned away, right? They saw miracles. They saw, so it's, it's not just enough to see, right? But, but he says to, to believe and then, and then to stay with it. As we look at just this idea of, of true belief in Jesus Christ, and sometimes we, we can witness so many wonderful things and wonderful miracles, why is it sometimes that we still kind of have doubts or reservations as to who he is and what he's capable of doing? I think if you rely on just seeing or like your testimony might not be as strong as if you rely on the spirit and what you're feeling in your heart. I think that witness is stronger sometimes than actually seeing. And we see that with Laman and Lemuel where they had Mm -hmm. these, I mean, they were experiencing great miracles, but they didn't have a believing heart. And so those miracles didn't do much for them. Um, They saw all the same, or almost all the same things that Nephi did, right? right. They they had the same kinds of experiences, but the way that they processed and internalized that was very different. I think pride gets in the way. Mm. So as long as... (laughs) As long as we can really keep our pride in check and and approach the Lord in humility and be grateful for all the experiences we have which build our faith and just keep a humble heart and trust our trust the spirit, then then we'll be okay even without those those big miracles in our lives. Yeah. What what I love about this and what we see in this chapter is that we see a whole spectrum of people. We we all the way from Mary Magdalene, she is there. Right, yeah. she is there at the tomb. She's there at the foot of the cross. She's there at the tomb. Like uh, there, there's no more rock solid witness of Jesus than Mary Magdalene, all the way to Thomas, and and then everything in between. Uh, and the the great thing is there's room for all of them. Yeah. Right, Jesus has room for all of them. This is what the church is going to be built on. It's built on the Mary Magdalens. It's built on the Peters. It's built on the Thomases. You know, and how many of the ten? If they were in Thomas's uh, situation, how many of them would have had similar feelings? You know, of like, you know, I, I, I want to. Well, we we know that when, when when Mary first comes and tells them that they don't believe her right. right away. So so actually, we know that most of them were kind of in that boat that they still that they hadn't had that that witness yet. They were probably relying on just seeing the Savior. They mm-hmm. hadn't learned to exercise faith. Mm-hmm. At this point, because they'd been with him, yeah, and so that's, that's what they knew point. is they were relying on on that visual knowledge of him and hadn't exercised that faith. Yeah, so they had to learn necessary. to exercise faith, mm-hmm. right? So just like Jesus that's said, a really good blessed point. are more, you know, more blessed are those you know who have not seen and believe. It's it's those who exercise faith rather than just with their eyes. Mm-hmm. That's a deeper kind of of experience. Right. So, what are some of the things that you do in your everyday normal life that keeps that faith burning? and keeps you looking forward to that beautiful day of the resurrection that we talk about? I mean, it's the small and simple things. It's the daily prayer. It's the daily scripture study. It's the going to church. It's the taking the sacrament every week, making that a major priority. I mean, you have to nourish your faith Mm -hmm. or it will dwindle and you will forget your testimony really quick. And the world is so crazy and it is so encroaching on our lives. And phones are great, but they just bring the world straight to your fingertips at all times. And it's hard to get away from the world. But if we um, wear the armor of God and put on so many layers that the Lord has given us, then we can maintain our faith. And as long as we're always strengthening it, building up those spiritual walls against worldliness. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to continually kind of renew that faith, to, to, to kind of refill the well of our faith. And for me, at least, one of the most powerful ways I do it is by going to church every week and especially taking the sacrament, because that is literally what Jesus gave mm-hmm. to the church, to mm-hmm. his disciples and to each of us for us to remember in a tangible way. That's great. I, I would love to hear some of your thoughts as well on this. What are some of the things that you do to stay faithful if doubts creep into your life. Sally. 
You know, actually, my uh, sympathy goes to the apostles because they were being taught stuff that was just new material, mm -hmm. totally foreign ideas. And I think sometimes it's important for us to have doubts just enough that we have to stretch our faith and have to rely on that. And uh, Sally, how, how does the Holy Ghost assist us in this process of working through some of the doubts that may creep in? I think that's the Holy Ghost's job. He speaks to our soul, and, and we learn to recognize His voice. And we don't just know it automatically. It is a learned skill, and uh, that's we just learn each individually how He speaks to us. I just feel a peace come over my body, and that's when I know the Holy Ghost is speaking to me. You know, thank you, Sally. Something that Sally mentioned uh, about this is really new for them, you know, these, these experiences. So as we're talking about Thomas and, and some of the doubts he's having, we had a question that came in from one of our viewers that touches on this, and I would love to get some of your thoughts. Hello, my name is Christina Davis, and I am from Washington. I'm a mother of six children who are constantly faced with opinions that make them doubt. How do I teach them that it is okay to have doubts, but still be believing? It's a really good question. Yeah, and, and, and I love the way that she framed that. And uh, because we can't always control like the information that comes mm -hmm. into our head or even, uh, you know, some of the, the uh, you know, kind of feelings that it generates there. And so I, th I think one of the things that I encourage people, because I talk with people who go through these experiences all the time, and I say, you know, put yourself in the place where you can encounter Jesus. Put yourself in the company of the apostles. Put yourself in the company of the church so that you can be in the place for God to reveal these things okay. to you. Jenny, what are your thoughts? I, I've been blessed with a really believing heart, but I also protect myself. I know that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true, and I know that President Nelson is a prophet of God, and I know the Book of Mormon is true. So the small and simple things are a great protection to us. Patrick, do you find that there is a difference between, you know, asking questions mm -hmm. to seek answers and having, like, legitimate doubts about something? Yeah, and we know the questions are great. I mean, mm -hmm. Jesus asked questions all the time. The restoration started with a question. It started with Joseph Smith asking questions. Questions are how we learn. Questions are how we grow. Uh, that's just a natural part of, of any of our life. And, and I think the, um, one of the things that the, we've been counseled by leader, leaders of the church is not to like settle down into that space of doubt, okay. right? To, to the, 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 the if and when uh, we, we encounter it, if, if, if that becomes a part of your, your journey, that, that you see it as something that you can move through, right? It's, it's not the place where you land, but you can seek, you know, you can seek answers to those things. You, 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 can, you can find ways to fortify the things that you do know. President Hinckley has, uh, talks about this, this, you know, what happens when you have doubts, some things that can really be helpful. He said, to all within the sound of my voice who may have doubts, I repeat the words given Thomas as he felt the wounded hands of the Lord. Be not faithless, but believing. Believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the greatest figure of time and eternity. Believe that his matchless life reached back before the world was formed. Believe that he was the creator of the earth on which we live. Believe that he was Jehovah of the Old Testament, that he was the Messiah of the New Testament, that he died and was resurrected, and that he lives, the living son of the living God, our Savior and our Redeemer. So how do you teach your children that it's okay to have questions and doubts while still believing? Mary. Okay, well, as far as um, families, it's just so important to have a Christ-centered home first. You know, start out that way with children when they're young. To have always have an open dialogue in mm -hmm. your home so that your children are comfortable to come talk to you instead of being afraid, instead of going to friends or the internet or Facebook and getting their opinions there. It, I, I love that focus on having a Christ-centered home. Uh, Jenny, you've, you're raising children, you've raised children. Uh, what are some of the things that you have done to keep that Christ-centered focus throughout your home? Well, I, I love family dinner. I mean, and I love family meals. I love food and I love family <laughs> and I love combining them. And so 
every night we have dinner together. We also connect at night for Come Follow Me, um, family scripture study, and then we always have family prayers. So for for us, it's that is those things are key, and and the family dinner is sacred. Uh, you know, as we talk about this story, there's there's another aspect of this that. I think is really important to understand uh, as we talk about this, the road to Emmaus, which we've covered before, um, and really coming to to understand and know for ourselves who Christ is and how we can always have that desire uh, to keep him near. Uh, do you mind walking us through a little yeah. bit, Patrick, of this story and and how we can relate to it today? So, so this is um, you know it's a bit of a long story, so we won't read the the whole thing. But these are these these two disciples. They they had been followers of Jesus. They knew him closely, and and of course they were sad mm-hmm. after after his crucifixion. And so they were walking on this road to Emmaus, which is not far uh, from from Jerusalem. And and then this stranger appears, and they don't recognize him. Of course, it's it's, it's Jesus, and he walks along with them, and and. And, and they're 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 speaking and and he opens up the scriptures to them and and teaches them about the the prophecies of of the Messiah. It says uh, they constrained him as they got towards their their home, saying, "Abide with us, for it's toward evening and the day is far spent." And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. I was kind of uh, shades of the sacrament mm-hmm. here, right? That he's administering for them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. So he, he's, he's gone at that moment, but they've had this encounter. They've had this experience with the risen Christ. And it culminated in a meal. It culminated in, you know, for us, that would be the, the sacrament. But it's, it's this notion where they've felt it. They've felt his presence. Even if they didn't fully recognize it mm-hmm. in the moment, they knew it was good. They yeah. felt that. And, they, and later they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? They felt the spirit testify of him and they wanted it. And they yeah. said, abide with me. And, and I think we can do that. Even if we can't always put words on it, even if we can't always fully recognize when we feel those good feelings, when we feel the spirit, we want it to stay with us. We want it to stay in our homes and with our families. Well, thank you. This has been really fun. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing on our second topic. And for the audience, you've been wonderful. Thanks for joining us uh, today and for sharing your thoughts and for sharing your spirit with us today. And for those at home, we still have so much to cover in footnotes, so please stay with us. The Spirit communicates with me mostly through peace. The Spirit communicates with me through feelings of joy, of happiness, um, of understanding, um, but also um, through clear feelings within my head that almost feel like verbal um, answers. Sometimes it's been hard to distinguish between is this my thought or a thought from the Holy Ghost, but I find that it's feeling that makes the difference, the feeling that goes with the thoughts that you're thinking, and do they make you feel happy and calm? Just such an overwhelming, you know, um, feeling that, that comes over your body and so that you know when it's there and you know when it's not there. And when it's not there, it's not a good feeling. And you want to do whatever you can. I want to do whatever I can to get you know, that, that feeling back. Welcome to Come Follow-Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to building upon our previous discussions about Christ's resurrection with Patrick and Jenny. Okay, I'm excited to jump back into mm-hmm. these chapters and talk about some things. Uh, something I, I was really intrigued by uh, from our last uh, conversation was this idea of no matter what we face, the challenges that come in our lives, uh, how important is it to keep Christ at the center through all the navigation that we have to make uh, during our lives? So, you know, so Thomas had been with Jesus for that whole three-year ministry. Mm-hmm. He, he had been with him. To, he'd, he'd seen the miracles, right? He'd heard the teachings. He'd, he'd felt the spirit uh, that, that Jesus brought. So Thomas uh, could have been any one of us, but, but the thing that, that's just so significant for me is that the reason he sticks around is because of these experiences mm-hmm. he's had with Christ for the past three years, right? He's disappointed, he's sad, he's hurt, he's confused, right? Uh, everybody else has seen something that he hasn't, but he sticks around yeah. and he keeps coming back. And I think for him, uh, that's just gotta be grounded in the experience that he's had with Christ, that Christ was still at the center of his 
his life, even in the moment of his greatest crisis. And I think that whatever life presents, as long as we have Christ um, in our sights constantly, it makes those decisions uh, easier, gives us direction. Uh, Jenny, what are what has your experience been on throughout your life, throughout your career of kind of balancing, you know, do I go this way, do I go that way? And how has having Christ at, at the center of your life made those decisions easier for you? Well, it's it's made every decision so much easier because you don't just have to rely on your own strength and your own knowledge and your own guesses as far as what you should do. You can rely on the Spirit to lead you and and lead you along in a path that will ultimately work out no matter what else, as long mm-hmm. as you're following the Spirit. Um, one of the most incredible experiences of my life is I'm a violinist and I went to the Curtis Institute of Music for my bachelor's and then I went to the Juilliard School and got my master's. And then I was uh, blessed to be able to get into the National Symphony Orchestra. And, and I loved it. I loved that job. And I had three children while I was in the symphony and then I was pregnant with my fourth child. And it was this great situation where it was full, it was full-time pay, benefits, and prestige, but it really like part-time work. I wow. loved that job. But when I got pregnant with Matthew, our fourth, I started to feel like it wasn't the Lord's path for me. Like that wasn't why I'd been given the gift I was given. I knew that. And I felt like the Lord wanted me home with my kids. And I was so scared to leave that job. And during this time when I was in this National Symphony, I'd recorded a couple albums, but I had like solo albums with Mm -hmm. Deseret Book and Shadow Mountain Records, but I hadn't pursued that career at all. And so I didn't have any solo performances in my schedule. Okay. And so I had to just say goodbye and walk out and I walked out and... It was so hard, and I just sat in the car and cried for about an hour, and then I just drove home. But the next day, conductors started calling me and inviting me to perform with them, and it was such an incredible experience because the Lord tested my faith, and I'm just so grateful. It's one of the most important decisions I ever made in my life, and I'm so grateful that I listened to the Spirit. So I I love what Jenny shared because I feel like it brings in both of the the accounts that we talked about with the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and with Thomas, I wonder if, you know, for, for him, it was that like, will you stay these eight days? Yeah. You know, Jenny, will, will you will you have the faith that it takes to to resign and just trust that it'll, it'll be okay? Yeah, can I, can I ask Jenny a follow-up question though? Absolutely. I mean, what, what had prepared you or what, what had given you the confidence that, that, that you could trust enough to, to make such a big decision like that? Well, I think the Lord sometimes gives us glimpses. He He's not going to test us beyond that, which we can endure. And so for me, I had a really sweet experience. A few months before I resigned from the National Symphony, I'd been um, at a concert where I was watching fireworks and there was orchestra music playing in the background. And, and I was kind of mourning this future loss of the symphony in my life, thinking I'll never play this symphony orchestra again. I think it was a Mozart symphony. And I was like, I'll never perform this Uh, again. And I was just kind of pity, pity party. Like I knew I would do it, (laughs) but I was still sad. And, um, and into my mind came the words, which I know came straight from Heavenly Father, that this is only the beginning. And it was so comforting and beautiful. And, and it's true. It was really the beginning of so many beautiful musical experiences in my life that never could have happened had I not stepped into the darkness wow. and left behind the symphony. The Lord knew, and I just had to have faith and trust. Isn't it amazing the, the, the way that God gives us these, these moments of grace, right, that then prepare us mm-hmm. and empower us for the next thing? And guide. Exactly. Guide we don't know what the next thing is. We don't know when it'll come, but, but, but God gives us sometimes just enough right, yeah. to, to, to get us through that next thing. And, and I think, uh, you know, Ben, you had asked about the apostles. I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's true for them too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they had enough. They, they had those three years with the Savior to get through this. I, I cannot imagine what it would be like to be with the Savior and then see the Savior on the cross. Right. And then to see his body taken down. I, I can't imagine. But they had enough. And then they got through that, and then he came and appeared to them. And then for them, it was just the beginning, too. I love that story, right? It's like they thought they'd done it, right? They thought they'd had their ministry, their time with Jesus. And he's like, well, no, wait a minute, folks, right? He's like, I'm going to empower you now with the Holy Spirit, and this is just the beginning. Can we talk a little bit about that? We visit, you know, Thomas and his story, and then the kind of the, the those that period of, 
um, you're, you're staying, staying Thomas. Mm-hmm. And then like, what, what's next? What yeah. happens next with the apostles? For me, you know, so like all of the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke end with like Jesus being resurrected and he, appear, and, he, and he appears to the disciples and it's great, right? But John, I love John because John ends not with that. It doesn't end with chapter next. 20, but we get what's next <laughs> in, in chapter 21. And what's next? They go fishing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, isn't that always what's next? <laughs> right? It's like, what, what do we do? Uh, and I just love chapter 21. When morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. You know, they were probably just far enough away, right? Mm-hmm. That they could they couldn't tell that it was they, they'd seen him, uh, but they didn't know this was him on the shore. And Jesus said unto them, "Children, have ye any meat?" They answered, "No." And he said unto them, "Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find." Remember, he had done a miracle like this with them <laughs> earlier in the <laughs> ministry right. too, right? So kind of reminding them of this experience. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of the fish. And therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said unto Peter. It's the Lord. And then he cast himself into the sea. I just love Peter here. He's like so excited to, to see Jesus again. Yeah, I mean, for me, he always reminds me just like of a puppy, right? He's like so excited, so eager. Like, <laughs> My master's so home. He, he's home, right? Exactly. So he, he dives out of the boat. The other, the other disciples in verse eight, like the boat comes in, <laughs> right? Uh, but then, then they just have this really sweet experience where they're on the beach and, and Jesus has prepared food for them. I, th- I think there's a lot of rich meaning there. And, and then these very famous uh, uh, verses, uh, starting in, in verse 15. It says, when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these, more than the 153 Mm -hmm. fish that they pulled in? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Right, so tender. And of course, lots of people have talked about this gives Peter the the chance to affirm Jesus three times after having denied him three times, right? I mean, Jesus heals what is broken, right? I mean, imagine the guilt. The, the Peter, to, even, even though he was still that excited puppy, I mean, he was going to carry that guilt with him his entire life. And I think Jesus here beautifully ministered unto him, gave him exactly what he needed to heal. I love that. Um, go, this is the next. This is what is next. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I've been, you, you've seen me. You've walked with me. Um, this is your charge is to go out and, and gather. You know, we come back to this analogy of, of the fishing, the gathering. You know, yeah. and and it's almost a reminder of, guys, you, you're going back fishing. Like, yeah. here's another lesson. Like, I'm I was serious, you know, when I told you to go out and I'm going to make you fishers of men, you know, and to right. to bring it back to, I want you to go feed feed my sheep. Yeah, you know, and take this message to the world. I think that's exactly right. And and to be fair to them, he had told them that they were going to have to wait for a while before they would receive the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and so forth. So they were in this kind of a little bit of a waiting time. I also love what, what he says in verse 19, as, as, he, as he encourages them and as he teaches them, he prophesies what Peter's future would hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, it says that when he had spoken all of this, that Jesus said unto him, follow me. Again, going back to that invitation where his ministry started when he yeah. said, come follow me. So, so this is like coming full circle. And again, saying, this is not the end, guys. This is the beginning. Now it's time to go out into the world. That's great. I love that. Uh, Jenny, what are some of your thoughts as we talk about just this uh, idea of Christ making this continual invitation for his apostles to take that next step, to go out and continue what he started, but on a grander scale. How is it that you have been able to use some of the gifts and talents that you've had to really spread that word and and gather and fish and, and feed sheep? I find a way, especially when I'm inspired to do so, to share my testimony okay. of Jesus Christ. And Heavenly Father shows me ways to do so. Like he shows me connections I can make and words I can say to introduce different songs, even if they're not religious songs in a religious way. And 
Um, I just feel like it's my mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I was I know I was given a musical gift, but I know that the purpose of my life is is to share is to share my faith with the world. And I had this really incredible experience a couple of years ago. I was feeling COVID was rough. I mean, it was rough on all of us. Yeah. It was really rough on performers. Mm-hmm. And um, so I hadn't set foot on a stage for a year or two at this time. And I was just kind of feeling sad because I was used to being on stages. And I kind of <laughs> felt like my my ability to share my music and my faith had had been taken away. And it was it was it was hard, and I was just thinking about that. And all of a sudden, I understood that my purpose on earth—I'd not been sent to be a musician. And I'd always thought my, you know, I was sent to earth to be a mother and a musician. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like my my most important things, and a wife, of course, a wife, mother, <laughs> musician. Um, but I I understood in this this moment of just enlightenment from the spirit that I'd actually been sent to earth to be a missionary. Mm. And music was just a vehicle. Mm -hmm. And it was such like a paradigm shift. And I love paradigm shifts (laughs) because like even if I could never play violin again, I could still be a missionary because music is just one of my vehicles. And this is another vehicle, Mm -hmm. like being able to communicate. And and we've all been given different gifts and different vehicles to share those gifts. And it was just so beautiful for me to understand that I truly – I'm here to be a missionary. And when I say missionary, I mean bring people to Christ. So, uh, Jenny, uh, from what we've you know covered uh, this week in, in our Come Follow Me study, uh, are there any verses or any particular aspects that stand out to you that you like to touch on? I just love, I love Mary Magdalene. She's one of my favorite, I, favorite characters in scriptures. I just, I'm really excited to meet her someday. I'm sure she's just such a lovely person. And I love her story of redemption where she, she did have a rough life, but she clearly was a very devout disciple of Christ and, and has a place of great honor in, in the Savior's life and in the scriptures. And, but she doesn't even recognize him initially. Mm-hmm until he says her name. And I think it was so sweet. That moment of recognition comes at the time that he says her name. And I just, I love that Christ knows each of our names. I mean, can you imagine hearing the Savior say your name? I mean, I can't even imagine how sweet that was for her and that will be someday for us. So I love that moment. What what I love there is that, so she had been the one that was first at the tomb. She went back and got the others. They came. And then Peter and John go away. It says in verse 10, they go back to their, their own houses, right? Um, and But she stays, right? I mean, just like this vision of Mary just like lingering at the tomb. She wasn't in a rush to like, Get on with her business, right? It's like get get <laughs> well, home and that and was like, that get, was a nice chapter yeah, of life. Exactly, I guess we're right. moving on. Right. I mean, there's there's this sense that um, that sometimes when you've had a really sacred moment, right, you just want to kind of like linger mm-hmm. in the spirit. And she, I, you know, I, she was like waiting for Jesus to come, right? And so, but she has um, great faith too. She's amazing. She she's just amazing, and 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 she's. Um, and, and she's just sad, right? Woman, why weepest thou? She, she's sad, but she's there. And she's staying in that moment. And, 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 and then, of course, Jesus comes to her and it's, says her name. It's, it's just one of the, the all-time great moments. Um, uh, she, she's amazing. We, we see some differences, like we get this moment in John. Mm-hmm. There are some differences in, in the accounts. What do we learn about the different accounts of the resurrection and what that means for us as we strive to develop develop that personal individual relationship with the Savior. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can actually be really rewarding and enlightening to sit down with all four accounts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, Luke, and John and, and to look at the similarities and differences. There are a lot of similarities, but they, the, the, there are some details that are mm-hmm. different uh, between the, the various accounts and some, some stories that we get in one that we don't, you know, we only get the road to Emmaus in Luke, even though it's mentioned in, in Mark and, and, and some of the things like that. And, and I just, for me, the, the takeaway is um, that we all kind of have our own 
story and relationship with Christ. And, and we, we can center on certain things, right? We, we can all agree on certain things, mm-hmm. right? He's the son of God, he's the savior, right? But, but your experience is gonna be a little bit different than my experience and your experience, I mean, your encounter with him, the stories that you can tell mm-hmm. about your encounter with Jesus are gonna be a little bit different than mine. And they're gonna differ in details just a little bit, but we're all gonna center on, in our faith on Christ. And, and that's what these accounts are. We call them the gospels, but as much as that, they're, they're testaments, they're mm-hmm. testimonies of, of Jesus. And so all told from a different perspective, like, we, like we've talked about, Matthew has his perspective, John has his perspective. And so they're all highlighting different things and just telling different stories about what it means for them to have encountered the risen Lord. Jenny, uh, you've had a, a wonderful career. I, I think I, w- I would love to, to hear a little bit about what started you on that path? Like, when did you actually start playing, performing? And at what point did you realize that, you know, I have a gift that I'm going to use to help bring others to Christ? Oh, well, it's been like baby steps. And I always just had this feeling that the Lord had something for me. Like, and I was, I didn't know what it was, but the Lord had a, a path for me that I was supposed to work hard and prepare myself for it and keep, try to keep the commandments and and remain true to to whatever it was that was in store. And I always knew that I wanted to be a mother and a concert violinist, but I just, I could never figure out how I would bring these two kind of differing objectives and goals together. And and I never figured it out in high school and I never figured it out in college. And, and I could see my peers at Curtis and Juilliard winning competitions and getting management and kind of climbing the worldly ladder. And I tried to climb that musical, mm-hmm. the kind of pathway the professional, that, yeah, this, yeah. this little, this rung and then this rung and then like I, I tried and it just wasn't my path. And I knew I was good enough and I knew I was like, I should be winning this and getting that mm-hmm. and it just wasn't happening. And um, I think it was, I think it was Michael Ballum I was able to talk to and um, early on in, in my musical pursuits. He visited Philadelphia where I was going to school and he said, Jenny, your path to success in the music world will be different than than anyone else's. Mm. Like it will be different. So it's okay. It's okay that it's different. And that was so helpful because then I stopped like looking, kind of looking back at what everyone else is doing and judging myself according to their ladder of, of success and started just trying to follow the spirit to go where the Lord would have me go. And that made all the difference. And I look back at my career and the Lord figured out how I could be a mother and a musician at the same time. By I perform with my kids all the time and I never envisioned this. And it just, the Lord just made it start happening. And I'm just so grateful that he leads us along. It would be such a scary world to not be led by the spirit. You know, and I really think that sometimes when we misinterpret that word doubt, and really all it is is, Sometimes it is just what you said, is really taking those steps, not knowing what's coming next and just having that exercise in faith. And I just, Jenny, it's been so great to get to know you and to hear of your story yeah. on, on a personal note, like your music brings peace. I'm grateful. I'm, I, I feel like one of my spiritual gifts is playing music with the spirit mm-hmm. and it's not my spirit. It's the spirit of the Lord. And, and that is my most treasured my most treasured blessing in my life is to that the Lord would entrust me to be able to play with his spirit is a great responsibility that I hope I'm always worthy of because it's it's the greatest joy of my life. Well, thank you for sharing that gift with, with so many people around the world. Thank it's you. been wonderful talking to you and, and learning from you. And Patrick, as always, it's always a pleasure to learn from you and from your insights, just the feel of your goodness. So thank you both for being here. And thank you for joining us at home for this discussion about Christ's resurrection. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions that you received. For additional study and teaching resources, visit byutv.org slash comefollowup. Join us next week as we begin our study of the Acts of the Apostles. Thank you for watching. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.